It is now the 2019 NFL season. It is Thursday. The NFL season kicks off tonight. The Bears and the Packers to kick off the 100-year anniversary of the NFL. Very cool. Very cool. A lot to get into. A lot to get into here on this episode. Not a lot of topics, but still a lot to cover for this episode. It is, of course, our first pregame uh, podcast. Uh, we're going to break down the game between the Chiefs and the Jaguars, but before we do that, we will preview the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs, talk about the personnel, the coaching staff, and I think we kind of did this last episode, but the standard, the expectation for this football team, and you know what do we expect from everybody? We'll talk about all of that and much more here on this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I am Farzim Masugian. You already heard him already. Zach Stegner here on this episode of the Chiefs Stone Podcast. If you want to interact with us, facebook.com slash Farzim Masugian, at Farzim21 on Twitter, at Z Stegner on Twitter. 913-808-2119. That is the voicemail and the text line. And you can also subscribe to the podcast and share the links as well. And we talked about this yesterday, Zach. Somebody... Uh, one of our listeners uh, sent in a uh, Facebook uh, during our Q and A mailbag, which again I appreciate everyone who participated in that. Um, someone asked, you know, are you going to organize any event for Vegas uh, for the Chiefs and Raiders game next year? Because I've said many times I do anticipate on going, uh, but I mean, people are also wondering if I'll do anything in Vegas next time because uh, there is. I, I mentioned I'm going to be there for the Week 17 game. Somebody tweeted me and said, "Dude, I'll totally meet up if you have something." And I said, I responded. I said, "Maybe." And a lot of other people also responded and said that they would be down to meet up in Vegas. So I think we we might need to do something at this. Did point. this just become we get to live record in Vegas? Because I hope so. No, I, no, we are not doing that. I'm not oh, carrying okay. my laptop and my uh, microphone well, I guess unless that makes sense. That's a unless fair point. a Didn't unless think that a part through. Big company out there wants to sponsor that. Yeah, I am completely down. It'll be worth that hassle to bring everything, uh, but I doubt that'll happen. Um, totally fair. Those kinds of radio shows are fun, though. Like uh, a lot of these radio shows, like uh, on Sirius XM, I listen to the, to the Combat Sports Channel a lot, and they have a pro wrestling show. And when they go for like WrestleMania week to a sports bar, a lot of their listeners do come out. So. I don't doubt. I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> by the way, I didn't realize this. We do have a lot of listeners in Vegas, I, which is awesome. I love Vegas. It's my favorite city in the world. Um, but yeah, maybe. Um, like I said, I'll be there for you week for seventeen. A man who doesn't gamble? That surprises me. <laughs> uh, I'll be there in uh, week seventeen this season. Uh, I don't know if I'll plan on anything. Maybe I'll just let it be known which sports bar I'm going to be at for the game, um, and then you can meet me there and I, my family i suppose will be there too so that'll be enjoyable uh i'm sure i'll i'll have some awkward interactions with some people hopefully I mean, no it's still crazy better than people. drinking alone uh, that is true uh i mean just hopefully no crazy people with the interactions there but nonetheless um yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll think of something for sure uh by the way i do want to address this we were talking about this before we started recording so i'm sure you guys i mean let's just address it you hear a lot of honking in the background because Zach lives in New York City now. Sorry, guys. Well, well, hold on. I, I, you don't have to apologize for that. But my thing is, is like, why, why do people feel the need to honk so much there? I'll be honest. Half the time, it is actually they honk at pedestrians because, I mean, straight up, 
when you're a pedestrian in New York City, like if there's not a car actively coming at you, you could pretty much go. It's just commonly accepted that that's how it goes. Uh, so and since most of them are one-way streets, you just quick look, no cars, you just go. But half the time, people don't pay attention, and they just go anyway when it's not their turn. And the cars actually have to honk at the pedestrians to remind them, like, hey, it's not your turn to walk. Because as if the little, you know, walk sign wasn't enough for people. Because, I mean, especially in today's day and age when, you know, everybody's, you know, kind of got their, you know, what I jokingly refer to as, you know, their New York City commuter uniform on, which is to say some combination of AirPods and sunglasses and most likely their phone (laughs) out. Uh, It's pretty common. Uh, So... That's that's actually half the reason for the honking, too. Whenever people are honking in New York City traffic, though, that part genuinely I don't understand. Because it's like, you know what? You're driving in New York City. You knew this was going to be how it goes. So, I mean, nowadays with some of the violence we hear about, it's just, you know, when you honk at someone, you never know if that how that person is going to retaliate. So I'm surprised with how much I hear that. Uh, that when Anytime we do a podcast, but uh, I'll, leave, uh, I'll leave that up for another time to discuss real quickly before we move on we do have the mahomes magic crunch going on right now we started that uh last night wednesday night at six o'clock already people are uh commenting on the facebook uh post and uh retweeting the tweet i put out there uh very simple steps for facebook you uh you gotta go to the exact post comment tag three of your friends share the post and like the post and on twitter it's a simple follow and retweet very easy to do uh a 48-hour window. So Friday at 6 o'clock, I'll cut it off. I'll inform who the winner is, and I'll announce it at 7 o'clock. All of that is Central Standard Time. So you still got time. Hopefully, if you're listening on time, still got time. I mentioned it last episode, so I've given plenty of uh, announcements on that. So hopefully, everyone's aware of what's going on. If you And if you miss out, we will be doing one more round of the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaways, but I promise it'll be over after that. So this is the second round. We're going to do one more after that. All right, let's get things going here, Zach. A uh, little time to waste because I want to get to our Chiefs and Jags game. I'm excited for this game this weekend. But as far as the upcoming season goes, uh, look, the, the standard's high. I think every single Chiefs fan is expecting a Super Bowl. I mean, everyone's expecting a championship win, but realistic expectations right now more than ever, it's a Super Bowl. 365 days ago, we were wondering what kind of a football team this would be with Mahomes. A lot of people were excited, but... At the same time, I think there were some nerves too because we did not know exactly what Mahomes would turn out to be. This was his, or that was rather his redshirt rookie season, and obviously, you know what he had ten touchdowns and no interceptions in the first two weeks, uh, which nobody had ever done in NFL history in, a, in their in the first two weeks of a season. So we saw that, and now here we are with the, really the best offense anybody could ask for. Whether you're you're a quarterback, an offensive coordinator, or a head coach, this is your dream offense. Offensive line, a little bit of issues there. Defensively speaking, it's a work in progress. You have a brand new defensive coaching staff and a lot of changes with your personnel and a new defensive scheme. We'll get into that. Let's start with the offense, though. And we'll get to special teams, too. That's part of the preview as well. You've got a Chiefs team that was number one in total offense, number three in passing, Right in the middle and rushing, but they were still in the top 10 in rushing touchdowns and obviously number one in points per game. They had 18 giveaways, which was the ninth fewest in the NFL. They had six fumbles. 
That's fourth fewest in the NFL, tied with three other teams, including the Denver Broncos in the AFC West. So, listen, you've got an offense that is decorated in so many ways. I don't know what we could say that we haven't said before about this offense right now. I guess the area where I want to start, because we've talked about Tyreek Hill, Watkins, Kelsey, and so many times is really just that offensive line. That is my only concern right now with this offensive line. Eric Fisher, yeah, he got voted into the Pro Bowl, but I don't know if I'd say he had a Pro Bowl-like season. Whereas Mitchell Schwartz definitely was worthy of a Pro Bowl bid. Pro Football Focus named him the best offensive lineman uh, last year. LDT, he was absent for a majority of the season. Uh, At the center, you have Austin Ryder, who is replacing Mitch Morse. And then you got Andrew Wiley at the left guard spot, and you've got Jeff Allen coming back once again. Nick Allegretti, a guy who you drafted, a lot of people think better than a seventh round pick. Got a lot of interesting guys. And by the way, let's not forget about uh, Martinez Rankin, who the Chiefs acquired in a trade with the Houston Texans. I forgot to mention that last episode. Um, the Chiefs did trade away. Carlos Hyde managed to uh, get something out of him. So you've got a lot of interesting pieces at that offensive line. Some good, some question marks as well at that offensive line. Yeah, I think that ultimately the biggest question mark for me, uh, it comes down to kind of that left side of the line, not the left tackle, obviously. I mean, Fisher is Fisher. He's, I I mean, you could take it to the bank that he's going to be pretty consistent, but he's also going to come up with a holding penalty or, you know, a face mask or something stupid that makes me just absolutely go ballistic when I'm watching the game. But really on the whole, his body works strong. It's just, he always happens to have that one really high profile mistake. At least that's my impression of him. Uh, Whereas, you know, Wiley and Ryder, those are my two big question marks here. I think, you know, LDT is going to come back and be, you know, solid if not back to, you know, borderline Pro Bowl status, which is where he was before he got hurt. Um, but, you know, Ryder, you know, he's got some big shoes to fill, taking over from Mitch Morse. Like, when Mitch, Mor- when Mitch Morse was on the field last year, there was no better pass-blocking center. Now, that's important to note the when he was on the field. That's a very important caveat because, obviously, Morse has had lots of problems with concussions. Uh, and then the left guard spot, I think I mentioned this when we were looking at the preseason previews. Uh, yeah, we weren't sure who was going to walk away with that win. Uh, it turned out that Andrew Wiley ended up pulling that off, but that's still far and away the weakest spot on your offensive line until further notice. Uh, on the upside, though, the tackles are about as strong as they get. Uh, find me a better tandem in the NFL, I think you're going to struggle too. So certainly still some reason for optimism there. You know, and I'm, I'm curious how this rushing attack is going to look because you didn't bring in LaShawn McCoy because you need depth. LaShawn McCoy has amassed so many yards in his career. He's one of the best running backs in the league. Probably not the running back you think of immediately. Like if we had a discussion with 10 other NFL fans, not just Chiefs fans, I'm saying NFL fans in general. And if we say, who are the top five running backs we've seen over the past few years? LaShawn McCoy is probably not a guy who comes up on the list. And understandably so, but he's a guy that can really do a lot for your football team. And given that you were ranked 16th, and people will say, well, Kareem Hunt was out, the rushing game was still doing some good things even without Kareem Hunt. Uh, I thought Damian Williams did some really good things. When you look at certain averages, Damian Williams was better than Kareem Hunt in those areas. Um, I know someone, maybe two players, might become roster casualties once DeAnthony Thomas and maybe Morris Claiborne when they return. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that when uh, that time comes. But for right now, this is the uh, running back group that, behind the offensive line, that's my other question, Mark. How how is that offense going to look? Because, you know, you've got a lot of speed in the backfield. 
How are you going to split the duties between LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams, in which Andy Reid said he considers both those guys as starters? Yeah, I think that realistically you'll see, you know, I think they're going to end up kind of getting to a point where they ride the hot hand realistically. Um, you know, is it going to be, you know, one of them sets themselves apart clearly as, you know, the starter for the future? Maybe, but I doubt it. I mean, I think that realistically you'll see them rotate kind of the way we do with the, uh, you know, defensive line. Uh, you kind of rotate in guys, whoever's got fresh legs, and you just kind of make it work. Uh, and I think that's, a you know, frankly, it's a luxury for uh, the Chiefs at this point. Just the fact that we have, you know, that kind of embarrassment of riches, if you will. Um, I think, you know, there's going to be some, you know, really interesting opportunities for both of them to show what they can do. I'm sure at least one of them is going to rip off a big, you know, play for a touchdown just because, I mean, both of them have shown the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, and honestly, you know, we also can't forget about the uh, the rookie, Darwin Thompson. You know, he's shown well in the preseason, and hopefully he'll get some uh, get some touches uh, as we go through the game on uh, – go through the game on Sunday as well because realistically I mean that's a hard-hitting Jacksonville defense you know fresh legs are not going to be a bad thing to have yeah and it'll be very interesting to see and I was going to make a reference um to that defense in a moment but real quickly the tight ends that's my last concern with the offense obviously not with Travis Kelsey but um I will just say with Kelsey I think there are times where when it really matters like in really crucial moments Kelsey will drop a pass when he definitely needs to be able to pull it in. Um, that's my only issue with Kelsey. Uh, I mean, look, everyone drops a football. It, it happens, uh, unless your name is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but, you know, Kelsey's just got to make sure, you know, especially in a really crucial time, you got to be able to put both hands on the football and hold on tight. But behind him, you know, you let go of Demetrius Harris because he was guilty of plenty of drops for you. Good, good speed, very similar speed to Kelsey, but... Um, at all, not very good at holding on to the football. You got Dion Yelder, Blake Bell. I like his skill set, but the execution was not there. In fact, I'll be very su- honest. I was very surprised that he made it through with the preseason and made it on the 53-man roster. I think he, you know you can do some nice things with him if the offense is creative. Uh, w- what is your take with the def- uh, with the tight ends behind Kelsey? I think realistically, you they'll both be capable enough of you know whenever you bring it in for a you know jumbo blocking set which i don't think we're going to do a ton of i think you know bell's certainly a capable blocker but i think that realistically you know yelder and bell neither of them is going to see more than probably 10 snaps a game in my opinion like i think that the way that the offense is going to run it's going to be a lot more of a three wide uh sort of mentality and so the backup tight end is just kind of you know it's another option uh and i don't think that it's you know, if you look at the prospects of going you know, three or four wide and the talent that you put on the field there versus you know going three tight end set, I think that you know, I mean Andy Reid's not stupid. He, he's probably not going to do a whole lot of the uh, three tight end type looks. So I, I'm really not too worried about it. I think they're going to be enough. They're not going to blow anybody away, but they'll be enough. I can't remember if we've discussed this. I don't think we have, but I mean, look, you have so many players on this team. Obviously, speed everywhere. Uh, I mean, look, Kelsey, obviously not as fast as the receivers and the running backs, but still the fastest tight end in the NFL. Anthony Sherman has better speed. Sorry, say that again? He he was the fastest tight end in the NFL. The fastest tight end in the NFL. Glad I can talk today. Uh, but Noah Fant in Denver absolutely has him blown away on that front. Noah Fant ran a faster 40 than a lot of receivers. Uh, Anthony Sherman... 
faster than a lot of fullbacks out there. I know the fullback, a dying breed in the NFL, but out of the fullbacks we do have, Sherman's still faster than most of those out there. So here's what I'm trying to say. Because you have so so much of this, and again, I don't think we've discussed this on the podcast before, but I'm kind of curious if Andy Reid will have some of these trick play packages or wildcat type of formations with this offense because it seems like this offense is best built to run some plays in the wildcat. Do you think we see that this year with the Chiefs? With Andy Reid, nothing shocks me because, like it or not, I mean, you know, do you have the opportunity for some trickery with someone like a Blake Bell or even Travis Kelsey, both of whom are former quarterbacks? Uh, Obviously, Bell played quarterback a little longer than Kelsey did. Uh, but, I mean, nothing will shock me with Andy. Like, he's always good about getting creative. I mean, frankly, when it comes to, you know, the uh, you know kind of gadget plays, you know, especially near in the red zone, too, it wouldn't shock me to see Colin Saunders get the ball um, and, you know, pull a Dontari Poe and just kind of bullet in there. I don't think he's going to get to throw a pass the way that Poe did, but it wouldn't shock me either. So, yeah, with Andy, I think that, you know, I don't think that we're best run out of the Wildcat because that takes your best player essentially out of it. Um, you know, given that the Wildcat, the way I understand it, is where you kind of have the running back in there, uh, you know, serving as a quarterback and helping distribute the ball and doing a bunch of different, you know, option looks out of that. Uh, that takes the best player in the NFL out of the equation. So we're definitely not best run out of the Wildcat. That's silly. But is it going to be an effective change of pace? I sure think so. Well, I mean, I remember the Dolphins had some plays where, you know, the running back did take the snap, but then they tossed it to uh, the quarterback uh, at the time. I think it was Chad Pennington, and then he throws the football when the defense least expected it. So, you know, you you can come up with plays like that. Here's my thing, and I kind of lost my train of thought with this, but I, I will say this because I'm I'm looking at the Jaguars' defense right now um, on this little offense versus defense spreadsheet here that we had uh, that Pro Football Focus made, and we printed out here. Uh, I mean, you look at the offense right now and our three receivers that the Chiefs have with Kelsey at tight end and, you know, whether it's Williams or LaShawn McCoy in the backfield. I mean, look at the Jaguars defense. And this is one thing I'll look forward to Sunday, and we'll bring this up again in our preview segment. But Jalen Ramsey is going to be lined up against Tyreek Hill. A.J. Boye is going to be lined up against Sammy Watkins. And then you got Hayden against McCole Hardman. Now, some of those guys are going to need safety help because those guys are fast. But you can't have safety help everywhere. Oh, and by the way, Travis Kelsey's your tight end. I, 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 let me bring that up again, too. So it's going to be interesting to see how this offense operates and who gets open at different times and how does de- how do defenses react to this kind of a thing. And this is a great test this Sunday against a really good Jaguars defense. And the Chiefs are going to be able to go out there and show that, hey, they can go on the road against some of the best defenses out there and I mean, try to find ways to, go to, on the road. to find holes. Yeah, I think that the on-the-road part may still be up in the air. Have they confirmed that we're playing absolutely in Jacksonville? That's a good call. Uh, they, I think they would have said something by now. Uh, you would hope. But, I mean, you never know sometimes with the NFL, but it seems like it's going to take place in Jacksonville. Fair. Uh, I think that, you know, realistically, it will be interesting to see how they're able to, you know, spread out uh, who covers who. Because realistically, I mean, you know, Ramsey is a solid corner, but he's not – I mean, like it or not, he's not fast enough to cover Tyree Kill the entire game, and that's no disrespect to him. I mean, he proved that last time that we went head-to-head, uh, and Yo Hill dusted him a couple of times. I mean, don't get me wrong, Ramsey won his share of them as well, but uh, you know, I think that the uh, return specialist crack 
you know, certainly gave Tyreek a little extra motivation to be able to flash that peace sign at him. Uh, but really, if there's you know, any team in the NFL that seems to match up with all of our weapons, I mean, it is this Jaguars team. I mean, you've got three of the better corners. I mean, especially with A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey, but then D.J. Hayden, who's really done a nice job resurrecting his career now that he's out of Oakland. Um, and then Miles Jack, uh, who is actually at the linebacker position, but he's one of the faster linebackers in the league as well. Uh, he might actually be able to hang with Kelsey to a level. Uh, and so that, you know, where most teams you're going to have at least some mismatch, these guys don't appear to have quite the same level of mismatches. And, oh, let's just not forget that, uh, you know, in the interior defensive line, you got big Calais Campbell and Marcel Darius, and then Yannick Ngakue, I think is how you say his name. I probably butchered it, but, you, I mean, you can look it up and see on the roster. You know which one I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then one of the defensive Josh Allen, who was an absolute stud at Kentucky. So, like, this is, you know, easily the toughest defense we're going to face this year. Uh, I'd honestly say that they're probably the toughest in the NFL. Uh, so it'll be interesting. It'll be a great test. Uh, I think that, like it or not, we're going to – I mean, I don't think the offense is going to show out at, you know, the, you know, unbelievable all pro level that we've seen, you know, certainly not right out of the gate. I hope I'm wrong on that, but this is a tough defense and that can't be uh, understated here. I think that, you know, we're still going to be able to do enough to win the game, but yeah, I I just, you know, I'm going to kind of warn Chiefs fans now, the sky isn't falling just because this defense gives us a little bit of trouble. It's going to be fine. This is just a really, really good defense. Last thing on the offense before we switch over to the defense. If I told you before the season, just out of curiosity, if I said Watkins, Hill, Robinson, Hardman, and Pringle were going to be your five wideouts, would you have agreed with that? Yeah. I mean, with you know, the exception of Marcus Camp. See, I still think I, I still think Pringle would have beat out Kemp, and I, I mean, I, I know Kemp was getting a lot of media coverage, but to me, that nah, was just he media was coverage. Say uh, that again. Kemp, I mean, the Chiefs. It certainly seems when it comes to the fifty-three man roster, you know, Dave Tobe gets at least four, five spots on the roster. So that's kicker, long snapper, punter, and then you know, really kind of one returner and one gunner. Uh, it seems if those are the same guy, great, but. Yeah, the gunner has historically been Marcus Kemp, and he's done a great job with it. This year, you'll probably see someone like Dat or uh, you know Tremont Smith, possibly. Uh, I still think Tremont loses his spot to Dat whenever Dat comes back. Uh, D. Anthony Thomas, for those of you who aren't keeping up with that, um, <laughs> well just, played. Hey, just making sure. Uh, but yeah, I think that realistically, that receiver group looks about what I expected. Uh, you know, Byron Pringle's a nice addition. Uh, I think that he'll be able to do some good things, and he's obviously you know, there primarily for his special team's value more so than his value as a receiver. But you know, Andy Reid's going to find a way to get a lot of these receivers uh, you know, in space, so it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, how the team rotates through, especially as we get into some of those you know, creative and larger uh, sets. So the defense here, this is everyone's big concern. 31st. In the NFL, uh, second worst in the NFL, obviously. 31st against the pass, 27th against the rush, and 24th in points allowed per game. Uh, You cleaned house with the defensive coaching staff, obviously. A lot of guys out the door, and so many guys coming in for the first time. Steve Spagnuolo, your defensive coordinator. Brandon Daly coming over from New England. Matt House, 
really good defensive coordinator at Kentucky and now is the linebackers coach for the Chiefs. And you also have David Merritt, who is a good defensive assistant. He's going to be coaching the secondary. So there's been a lot of talk with the defense here. And, you know, let's start with the defensive line because it does start at the line of scrimmage. And you've got... You've got probably four really good guys at that defensive line. Assuming this is the starting four, you got Frank Clark, who you acquired from Seattle. Derek Nadi, who you drafted in the third round last year. Chris Jones, who is playing like he should have been a top five guy a couple of years ago in 2016. And you've got Alex Okafor coming over from New Orleans. Obviously, a lot of new names there. Uh, the Chiefs went after guys who are better fit as 4-3 defensive ends. Yeah, sure, D4 did have experience playing in the 4-3 before in college, but and he got traded to a team that plays in the 4-3, but the Chiefs were not comfortable with that. They wanted to look elsewhere, and they got the guys they wanted to. Uh, they got Emmanuel Ogba also from the Cleveland Browns. So a lot of interesting uh, names on here as well, and you got drafted Colin Saunders, who going to be very interesting to see. Xavier Williams still on this football team. Uh, joined last year from Arizona. So a lot of interesting names uh, on this defense. Unfortunately, you're going to be without uh, Breland Speaks. Uh, but still, a lot of guys on this defensive line. And, you know, I, I know they'll mix it up. And we talked about this before we started recording. Chris Jones and Frank Clark on these depth charts, they're not listed uh, right beside each other. But look, you change things up on defense occasionally. Not everyone is going to be stuck on the same defensive line position all the time. You may even see Chris Jones. You may even see the three uh, three down linemen come back a little bit for the Chiefs. Uh, you're not stuck with the 4-3 forever, obviously. Uh, but it's going to be interesting on certain occasions when you see Frank Clark and Chris Jones lined up beside each other because that is where they can do the most damage and... Even with this mediocre or even below average secondary that you have, and more specifically the quarterbacks, a really good pass rush can help a below average set of quarterbacks. And I think that is what I personally am banking on the most for this defense to succeed in 2019. Absolutely. And I think that, again, as I've said many times before, I think that you know, the prospect of having Frank Clark and uh, Chris Jones lining up on the same side of the defensive line effectively means that out of the five offensive linemen three are going to absolutely be committed to those two which means the other two defensive linemen we have whether that's Derek Nadi and Alex Okafor or you throw Ogba or Tano Passigno into the mix that means those guys have single coverage to worry about and that's you know I you don't have to have played defensive line to know that it's a lot easier to beat single coverage than double teams that's just a fact uh so I think that you know, that'll provide some opportunities for Okafor to get to the quarterback, for Ogba to get to the quarterback. And then obviously, you know, Frank Clark and Chris Jones are going to get to the quarterback. Like they're definitely going to do this. Um, so I think that, you know, we're going to make life a little bit difficult for some of these quarterbacks and hopefully make it a little easier on our corners as a result. Can't guarantee that, but I'm certainly hoping for it. Uh, and yeah. Then, you know, for as much as I'm concerned about the corners, the safeties look pretty solid. Yeah, I like the safeties. Let me just go back up a little bit because you had a, a really nice analogy there. Not an analogy, but the uh, you you put it out very nicely about you know how the offensive line is going to react to our defensive line. My thing is, you know, remember when the Chiefs were in the three four? They had Tom Bahali and Justin Houston on the outside, and they had Dontari Poe in the middle. And not a lot of fans recognize this because you know a lot of fans are following the football, and some fans are able to you know, follow certain situations 
uh, you know, without the football, without looking at the football the entire time. And if you do that, you'll notice that Dontari Poe was a huge reason why Tom Bahali and Justin Houston had so many sacks. That guy drew double coverage because of his size, and even then he would win out some battles. And because he would attract double coverage, that allowed Justin Houston and Tom Bahali to have one-on-one battles with offensive tackles and... You know, that would force defense, or excuse me, offenses to put in a, a tight end uh, or a fullback or a running back to come in for blocking purposes. And you're taking away another passing opportunity for the quarterbacks there. So th- that's what this Chiefs team is hoping to accomplish in this 4-3. Uh, you, you can do those kinds of things in the 4-3 and in, in the 3-4. I think you have more options in the 3-4, but that doesn't mean that, you know, being in the 4-3, it's, you know, doom and gloom. You still can do a lot of great things and. That's what this defense is building towards right now. Uh, the linebackers. This is this is a big one for me, Zach, because Anthony Hitchens, uh, worst graded linebacker by Pro Football Focus, but both he and Reggie Ragland two years ago, uh, they were really good at stopping the run. One, some of the best linebackers uh, when it came to stopping the run, and now here I was excited for them together last year, but. Boy, I mean, they really blew it, and this is going to be a very important position group, especially in this scheme, in any defensive scheme. But you add uh, Damian Wilson, you trade for Darren Lee, you keep Dorian O'Daniel. Ben Neiman's a guy who mostly for special teams, but still he did some good. He's done some good things in the preseason, and you're keeping him around, and he'll see a few defensive snaps here. Uh, I'm I'm hoping this this linebacker corp does make some improvements. Do you see them making improvements? And if so, how much improvement do you see? I mean, absolutely, they're going to make improvements. I think, you know, just the addition of Darren Lee, uh, you know, one of the better coverage graded running back or uh, linebackers uh, by Pro Football Focus last year uh, and comparable uh, when it comes to run defense. So I think he's going to, you know, provide, uh, you know, a, a tremendous help there, uh, especially against some of the tight ends because Darren Lee's got some speed on him for sure. Uh, I think that, you know, Raglan. I think that you'll see him, you know, more as like a two down kind of linebacker. You talk about those two down running backs, right? Uh, I think that he's absolutely going to be that first two downs kind of linebacker uh, on third down. If it's a clear passing situation, Reggie Ragland's not on that field for sure. I think Kitchens, uh, I mean, he can only go up and he's shown to be successful in the four, three before. Hopefully it was more just a question of a bad scheme fit last year. I don't think that you know, we would have paid him the money he, you know, that we that we're paying him if it weren't for the fact that, you know, we were planning to move to the four three at some point, and we think he'd be a good part of it. So, realistically, I think that the linebacking group is going to take a step forward. Not necessarily, yeah, I mean, partially due to the fact that Steve Spagnuolo is involved, but really just because I mean, it's not like there's any more room to step back. Certainly for Anthony Hitchens, <laughs> that is like, true. what's he going to do? Be the worst one in the NFL again? Like, hmm, bummer. Uh, I think that you know, like it or not, this group's going to have to improve uh even if they just get back to like kind of league average sort of areas i think they'll be all right moving on to special teams the last facet uh obviously coordinated by dave tobe harrison uh butker uh, another remarkable season from him 89 percent of his field goals were made he kicked a lot of field goals in 2017 because the chiefs were not a good red zone offense uh now we saw fewer uh Field goal attempts from Butker, which is a good thing. We also saw a lot fewer kicks from Colquitt. Again, a good thing as well. But Butker, uh, in his 27 attempts, made 89% of his field goals. He's made 90% of his field goals in his two-year career with Kansas City. And if you remember uh, his rookie season, he broke the NFL record for most field goals made. Again, obviously not 
not not a good thing given Kansas City's red zone efficiency, but uh, when you can't score with your offense, at least you have a kicker who came through, and Harrison Butker did come through a lot his rookie season, and obviously uh, looking to be probably the best kicker in the NFL. Dustin Colquitt continuing to do his thing, uh, and I know, you know, yeah, sure, he's a great punter and all, but his value is also very high as a holder, too. I mean, a lot of backup quarterbacks mostly do that, and he's involved with that as well. Uh, and then for return yards, fourth in the NFL last year, majority of that from Tremont Smith. We'll see if he can hold on to his roster spot when some players come back from suspensions. Uh, tied seventh in average return yards, and then 13th in the NFL in punt return yards. And as far as averages go in punt return yards, third best in the NFL. So, uh, I mean, look, obviously high standards. All the time with Dave Tobe. You had Brian Suckup did some good things. Cairo Santos did some good things. And now you've got Harrison Bucker doing big things. Uh, even when the Chiefs change their return specialists or their kickers. Colquitt's been here forever. But no matter who you have, these guys always deliver. And I think that's what I'm always excited about with, with special teams. As long as we have Dave Tobe. Absolutely. I mean, you look at... Yeah, Dave Tobe's overall body of work, it can't be understated. I mean, you know, Devin Hester, who at least statistically best, you know, return man in NFL history, uh, you know, he, part of that was the fact that he was running behind a Dave Tobe coordinated special teams team. Uh, so I think that that's, you know, while obviously people like Tyreek Hill, you know, bring their own level, I mean, you know, his speed and shiftiness uh, certainly, you know, make it a lot easier uh, for Tobe, but. You know, it's really it's 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 not just one or the other. Kind of like why Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes are a good fit for each other. It's not necessarily one or the other. It is very much both. Uh, in that you know you have a good scheme and someone with good speed to make the most of it. Kind of the same way that you know you've got someone with good speed and someone with the arm who can make the most of it. It's the same sort of deal here. Uh, in whether you use Mecole Hardman. Uh, sorry, you were correcting me on this before the podcast. Is it McCole or Mecole? Uh, it's McCole Hardman. McCole. All right, I will do my best to get that. Very right, good. That's important. Uh, but with McCall, whether it's McCall Hardman, Traymond Smith, uh, or Tyree Kill from time to time, like it or not, we've got you know plenty of speed. I didn't even mention DeAnthony Thomas, who's got plenty of experience running back kicks. Uh, you know, there's plenty of speed to go around at that position, and you know Butker and Colquitt are just continuing to be as consistent as ever. That's all we need from the special teams because it's been a consistent advantage the entire time that Dave Tobe's been in Kansas City, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how the special teams unit goes. I was hoping to see more of them in the preseason, but that didn't happen. Uh, I'm still pretty confident in their abilities to come through in the regular season because historically in Kansas City with Dave Tobe, it's always been very good. And you even mentioned before he came here when he was in Chicago, it was always very good with uh, with the Chicago Bears and Devin Hester there. By the way, I mentioned earlier I lost my train of thought. There was something I forgot and I just remembered going back to the offense and the whole trickery and creativity. I remember in 2017, uh, you mentioned Travis Kelsey, former quarterback, uh, in that Giants loss in overtime. Do you remember that when Kelsey, they had that weird double pass where Kelsey mm -hmm. threw a pass to Albert Wilson, and then on a Monday Night Football, Tyreek Hill threw a pass, to, and I don't know who he was trying to throw to. Do you remember who? I don't either. That okay. one was less memorable. The, the, the point Kelsey's is pretty good. The point is. Uh, neither of those worked. Both of them turned into interceptions. Now, listen, if Tyreek yeah, Hill and Kelsey at least looked like he knew how to throw the ball. Yeah, yeah that, that, is a, that was actually a really good throw. I do remember that. But listen, if they both connect with their targets and they get big plays or even touchdowns, Andy Reid's a genius with those trick plays right there. 
Um, you know, it's the same thing with fourth downs. If it's fourth and seven, you go for it and you don't make it. Everyone's going to say, why Why are you going for it? But if you get a first yeah, down. Depending on where you're at on the field. Yeah, well, still, if you get a first down, everyone's going to say, wow, that's ballsy. Great, great call, great execution. Um, so here's the thing. I do want to see some of the trickery, of course, because I think this offense is capable of it. Um, but there is such thing as being too creative. And I mentioned a couple of examples. Maybe that's why we didn't see some of that last year. Because even, because even before, you know, McCole Hardman and this, you know, gradual emergence of Demarcus Robinson, you still had the offense to do some of those trick plays with, with these, uh, players who you had Hill and Watkins and Kelsey and obviously Kareem Hunt at the time. Um, do you recall a lot of trick plays last year? Because I, I honestly can't think of any. No, and that's okay, frankly, because, I mean, you think about it from the perspective of, you know, with the trick play, if you can really get the mismatch, then obviously that's going to be your best bet to get the yards or the points that you need. But the bar for that to be the right call is now so much higher because we have Mahomes. Like, to pull any of these trick stunts, you know, you first have to justify, like, all right, is it really that much of an advantage over having Mahomes just do Mahomes things? So... I, I think that's part of the reason you didn't see as much of it last year. And I think that, like you said, you know, that there is such thing as getting too cute with this. Uh, you know, there's, there's a reason that, you know, you only did that, you know, Dontari Poe pass thing once. And it was awesome when we did it. Don't get me wrong. But there's a reason we don't do that with any level of consistency. And that's okay. The, you know, that's the point of the trick play. It's not like you're going to do that more than, you know, once or maybe twice a season. You know, and some of that too is like... For show too, because fans love that, especially when you do it at home. Uh, hopefully, uh, they can come through with a couple of those uh, at some point uh, this year. Okay, real yeah, quickly, hungry pig right or something, right? Wasn't that? No, that that'd be amazing. Uh, okay, wasn't, so, that the, wasn't that the Poe play? I think it was uh, Poe to Demetrius Harris. Yeah, I think hungry pig left or something like that. They there was something know. along the lines. Hungry pig something. Well, let me say this because Zach, uh, about a month ago, we did early game by game predictions, and I think we both said thirteen and three. Now, let me just say this because there is an article flowing around out there on Arrowhead Addict, written by some insane guy, me, by the way. Oh, you, you mean there wasn't another Farzin Vasugian? Yeah, wrote it? yeah. I mean, may, maybe there was another person out there, but uh, with the you same find name. me someone else who spells your name the exact same way. Yeah, exact same yeah, way. Here's her on me from here out. <laughs> also, also writes about the Chiefs for Arrowhead Addict. There are two of them. Uh, no, but yeah. I wrote I wrote a slideshow. Five reasons why the Chiefs are going to go nineteen and zero. Why am I saying that now after saying they were going to go thirteen and three? So I, I, I think I've, I've got to at least explain myself. Let me say this. At the time, I truly did believe 13-3 was realistic. Looking now, and I'll admit some preseason play has has convinced me otherwise. I like what I, I've i seen from McCall Hardman. He was able to... I mean, technically, they were both receiving touchdowns, but the sweep toss, I mean, that's more of a rushing type of play than it is a passing play. So, I mean, he was able to do some good things on the ground and through the air. So, I, I was really convinced that the Chiefs just have another great speedster kind of like Tyree Kill I know he's been getting those comparisons quite a lot and that's just given me a lot of confidence especially now that you add LaShawn McCoy to the backfield and it's just you have weapons everywhere I know we've said that millions of times um Anthony Sherman too I know we don't talk about fullbacks much but him, him as well the defense a lot of the criticism I'm getting with my 19-0 prediction is that the defense is not going to let it happen let me say this Zach not only were we an offsides call away 
from going to the Super Bowl with Bob Sutton's 31st ranked defense. Do you know what was the worst loss the Chiefs had in terms of point differential last year? Wasn't it only like a seven-point loss? Uh, yes, and that was to Seattle. You lost to New England. This is off the top of my head. You lost to New England by three. You lost to Seattle by seven. You lost to New England again by six. Would have been seven, but it was overtime. So, you know, you get the idea. But seven, six, three. Uh, who else did the and Chiefs lose to? we lost to the Chargers. Okay, you lost to the Chargers by one. So, you were never blown out in a game. Are we forgetting another loss? I feel like we are. Oh, the Rams game. Yeah, you lost to the Rams by three. So, you didn't... You never got blown out in a single game last year. Every game was a one possession at least every loss was by one possession. So this is a defense that I think will improve. And I know I'm more optimistic than most people about the defensive improvement, but you've got the firepower on offense. They're going to be dynamic again, and I think maybe even a little bit better than last year. And I think this defense is going to be better, and that's why, and special teams, look, we covered that already. That That's why I think this team is going to go 19-0. Do I have you on the 19-0 train, Zach? I mean... If it had happened, you know, even but once in NFL history, you'd maybe have me more on that train. Uh, I mean, just doing the math there, you know, that's an average of four points a loss. Which, you know, do I think that the defense has improved to the point where you know they can you know get us a little bit closer there? It wouldn't shock me. But at the same time, like this is the NFL, man. Any given Sunday is still a thing, and you know, all it takes is for you know, one flat performance against a good team, and then all of a sudden, like. You know, there goes the 19 and up. So, ah, while I would love to hop on that train, I just, I don't know if I could quite get there. I, you know, do I think we could still win the Super Bowl? Sure. But am I going to go out on a limb and say that this is going to be a historically strong Chiefs team? I mean, and by that, I mean not just historically strong by Chiefs standards, because, I mean, I think we're headed there anyway. Um, you know, we're talking like all-time NFL historically strong team. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but... I mean, hey, hopefully they can prove me wrong. I said on Twitter and Facebook, I will be there if I am wrong. I want everyone to tag Freezing Cold Takes. You see that Twitter account, right? Freezing Cold Takes? Absolutely. Okay. And you'll earn that. Yeah. So I will be there. I will accept the firestorm when I'm wrong, which I won't be. I, I have full confidence. Can it be a firestorm if it's a freezing cold take? Just asking for a friend. I, I suppose. I, I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so there, there's your 2019 preview. Uh, look, obviously, a lot of exciting things to look forward to, and it all starts this Sunday when the Chiefs visit the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know they're going through a crazy storm right now. It's kind of the aftermath right now. Um, so hopefully those of you in the Florida area, I mean, you shouldn't even be listening to us, but if you are, uh, hopefully you guys are doing well, staying safe, um, and rebuilding from all of that. I know it's uh, pretty crazy right now in uh, the Florida uh, area, and even a little bit north of Florida as well. Uh, But the Chiefs are going to be visiting this Jaguars team, and this is a brand new offense with a lot of new things on there. Obviously, Nick Foles, who we are familiar with in Kansas City, and we're familiar with him at a national stage as well, coming in, filling in for Carson Wentz, winning a Super Bowl against the Patriots of all teams. And I love that special moment where he got to catch a pass because Tom Brady, I mean, they tried to do that with, uh, with Brady, couldn't hold on to it a little bit overthrown too and they had that great Philly special to um 
to uh, uh, Nick Foles, but this is Nick Foles' first time, uh, you know, being named the starting quarterback going into uh, a regular season since his Eagles days. So the, and I'm talking the first stint with the Eagles. Yes, I remember last year he was the starter going into Week One, but he was not the primary guy. It was still Carson Wentz's football team. Um, so you got Nick Foles coming in. As far as who he has around him, Leonard Fournette, two-year career, never played a 16-game season. He had multiple injuries last year that made him miss half of the season. Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook, and a familiar name, Chris Conley. Those are the wide receivers. Lee saw 14 starts last year, the most of his career. Had three touchdowns for 702 yards and 56 catches. D.D. Westbrook had 717 yards off 66 catches and five touchdowns. And you've got Jeff Swaim. Uh, former seventh round pick from Texas, if you follow Big 12 football closely, he left the Dallas Cowboys and is now with the Jaguars. He has, he's had 35 catches in his career for 336 yards and a touchdown. James O'Shaughnessy, former draft pick in Kansas City, he is also in Jacksonville as well. So you've got you got some interesting names there in Jacksonville, but I think a lot of uncertainty with this offense, but again, kind of like you know, you know, with the Chiefs' offense going up against anybody, you feel good about them, no matter who the defense is. This Jaguars' defense, or excuse me, Jaguars' offense, rather. I'm sure the fan base is probably feeling optimistic because it's a new offense, but they're facing a, a Chiefs' defense that's coming off a really bad season. Uh, Zach, how do you see this matchup going down? I mean, so as I'm looking at their offense, I you know, especially in how it uh, you know matches up against some of our defenses my biggest concern is going to be can we stop the run against them because the way I'm seeing it you know Fournette when he's healthy and this being week one I would certainly hope he's healthy uh you know he's gonna you know get I would imagine quite a few touches and if our you know their interior offensive line is much stronger than their tackles uh the tackles they've got you know a rookie in uh, Juwan Taylor on one side or at least I think he's a rookie um and then Cam Robinson on the other. Neither of those. Yeah, yeah. Are, you know, just to too just exciting. to help you out there, he's a second round pick for them. Okay, so yeah, you, know, you got a rookie on one side. I mean, you've got a solid center in the middle, and uh, Andrew Norwell is a pretty solid uh, guard as well. So I think that there's you know the opportunity for them to you know get a little bit uh, of a push up front in terms of running the ball, and then again, Fournette can run through most. Uh, you know, certainly anybody in the secondary and a lot of linebackers too. Uh, Ragland, of course, not being one of them. Uh, so he might actually show pretty well and come in handy this week. As far as the, you know, as far as the receiving core, I mean, really, they're, I, I liken their receiving core a lot to our cornerback core in that they have a really good slot guy and a whole lot of who knows on the edges. Because uh, D.D. Westbrook's a pretty solid slot receiver. But Marquise Lee, you're never totally sure what you're going to get. I know he came out with really high expectations out of USC, but he got hurt a lot, and so... Hasn't really lived up to those. And then you got Chris Conley, who by all accounts actually has got pretty good uh, you know, chemistry going with Nick Foles. And we know that Conley has the talent. Uh, so hopefully you know, he's not burning Charvarius Ward and or Bashad Breland on Sunday. But I guess you know not a lot about this offense really scares me. I think that our defense is going to get a good opportunity. But really, you know, it, it, this is very much strength v. strength and weakness v. weakness when you look at you know the Chiefs' offense versus Jacksonville's defense. Uh, and then, you know, the flip side of Jacksonville's offense versus Kansas City's defense. You know, both of the strengths are well documented and you know, have been that way for a while. And both of the weaknesses are in various stages of being addressed. Uh, I mean, certainly if you had Blake Bortles still under center, I would liken it to a much larger weakness than it is uh, certainly today with Nick Foles. The question is, 
you know, as I'm looking at that offensive line, are they going to be able to keep Chris Jones and Frank Clark off of the quarterback? Maybe. Does that mean they can keep Okafor off the quarterback? I'm less sure. Uh, and Nick Foles, you know, while he's a solid quarterback, isn't the most mobile guy out there. So really nothing about this Jacksonville offense scares me except for the prospect of, you know, if they're able to get a really good push in the run game and Fournette's able to run it down our throats uh, and they're able to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, this game could stay pretty close. Yeah, and it's worth noting that D.D. Westbrook and another receiver uh, for the Jaguars, uh, D.J. Chark, uh, both return specialists for the Jaguars. And I know that's kind of a funny term when you think of the Jaguars return specialists because of the comment last year Jalen Ramsey made about Tyreek Hill. But uh, you got two really fast guys on that receiving core, and those guys could... Gifts provide some issues, and, and we know Chris Conley has really good speed as well, so that is where they could do the most damage to Kansas City's uh, defense, especially with those cornerbacks there. And I, Again, this is what I'm personally relying on the most, is that front four right there with the, with the defensive line, you got to get to the quarterback real quickly. And you mentioned the offensive line, not the greatest offensive line coming in here, and I think that's what gives the Chiefs this great opportunity to go out there and maybe rack up a few sacks and give Nick Foles a hard time in his Jaguars debut and maybe prevent from pre- prevent Nick Foles from hooking up with some of those speedsters down the field because you give Nick Foles some time, he might be able to to connect on those plays right there. That's my biggest key for the Chiefs in this in this game defensively. Yeah, hoping to see some takeaways as well. I'd love to see, you know, Nick Foles think he's got an opportunity to one of those speedy wide receivers because they've burnt our corner, but then you have someone like a Juan Thornhill or Tyron Matthew coming over the top to quick snag the ball. I'd love to see one or two of those. Switching over to the Jaguars defense coordinated by Todd Walsh. Uh, I mentioned the cornerbacks uh, just a moment ago, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, uh, safety Gerard Wilson. Very good group of defensive backs, very good secondary, and they've got a very good defensive line too. And Zach, you were kind of talking about this earlier on the podcast when we were talking about the offensive uh, breakdown for the Chiefs for 2019 and some of the best defenses they'll be facing. This is one of them right here. I know this defensive uh, line doesn't get talked about much, and they should. I know it's the cornerbacks that get a lot of the recognition, but they've got some really good defensive linemen too. Uh, Zach mentioned a couple of them earlier, and the biggest one, Calais Campbell. By the way, Campbell had 10.5 sacks last season, coming off a season prior to that where he had 14.5 sacks. He never had double-digit sacks uh, in his career ever in nine seasons with the Cardinals, and he joins the Jaguars. He has back-to-back seasons with double-digit sacks, so obviously this is the, the best he's ever been in his career and again, you look at Kansas City, some question marks on that offensive line coming in right there. So uh, there's an opportunity for the Jaguars defense to be able to make some plays and disrupt uh, the pocket a little bit. And But we also know Mahomes is very capable. One thing I really do like about Mahomes, and I mentioned this about other quarterbacks in the preseason, they've got great awareness. And we'll see how Mahomes responds to pressure because I think there's going to be some of that in this football game. That's uh, one area where I think the biggest key for me, got to win the line of scrimmage right there offensively, got to block him up and give Mahomes the time he needs because I know he'll, I know Mahomes can do some things, but at the same time, it can become too much to deal with to the point where Mahomes might get pretty tired of running around so much. So to me, the biggest key is for the offensive line to protect Mahomes and give him the time he needs to throw. And look, maybe we'll be proven wrong and we will find out that Wiley and Ryder are going to be Great offensive lineman for the Chiefs for a while to come. And it, it, look, 
I know one game, you know, we don't want to jump to conclusions, but this is a big game to prove yourself. Absolutely, and I think that, you know, the other name that uh, you you didn't mention on that defensive line you know, is the rookie Josh Allen coming in from Kentucky, who was an absolute stud uh, in the SEC, you know, top five draft pick, uh, and an incredibly disruptive pass rusher coming off the edge. So really, when it comes to, you know, four down linemen, so to speak, I'd you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a stronger front four. I mean, it certainly beats ours, and that's saying something. Our front four is pretty strong. Um, I mean, I guess ultimately this one comes down to what you think of Josh Allen or not, uh, but I think that, you know, he's certainly got tremendous potential, and the way that they, uh, you know, have plenty of other weapons along that defensive front, certainly I think will give him a lot of opportunities to maximize it in one-on-one coverage. So, It'll be interesting. The offensive line's really going to have to earn their check for sure. I think that you know, having Anthony Sherman, and honestly, this is one of the things that LaShawn McCoy, for being a small guy, is actually really good at uh, when it comes to pass protection. He's really good at the uh, you know, chip blocks, no matter how big the guy is coming at him. Um, I think you'll also see Kelsey helping out a little bit uh, from time to time uh, just to keep Mahomes clean. But I think that you know it'll be a challenge, but we can do it. Because um, ultimately, like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see you know, strength v. strength how this is going to go. You know, we were talking earlier about trick plays, and if we saw a lot of those last year, and it kind of reminded me, um, last year's week one game, they had two sweep tosses, one to Tyreek Hill, one to DeAnthony Thomas, uh, and the Chiefs tried to do that a few more times throughout the season. So that, I'm curious if we see that again, maybe this time with a McCole Hardman or a Byron Pringle, a guy who maybe opposing teams don't have a lot of film on, whereas, you know, everyone knows about Tyreek Hill, everyone knows about Travis Kelsey, and they're going to be so focused in on them that, you know, maybe they'll forget about a guy like Hardman or Robinson or Pringle, which I think is going to be interesting to see against this um, against this Jaguars defense. I don't have a whole lot else to say about the Jaguars defense. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we move on? I mean, they're they're looking really strong. I think that you know Kelsey is going to have have to have himself a game in terms of it. Certainly, if you look at you know some of the mismatches um, or the way really that a lot of our offensive weapons match up against their defense, they're not mismatches by by any stretch, but it's a lot more even money than it is, you know, Travis Kelsey lining up against, you know, ideally a free safety. Um, I think that in that case, you know, Kelsey could have, could have himself a day because they've got the corners to hang with a lot of our receivers or at least to slow them down a little bit. Uh, and so I think that Kelsey is going to be the guy who they overlook a little bit and there'll be some opportunities as a result. All right, special teams for the Jaguars. I mentioned already D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Chark. Uh, Westbrook, by the way, seventh in punt return yards last year uh, in in the league, had one touchdown on special teams. Uh, Punter Logan Cook, very similar to Colquitt, uh, below average in average punt yards, but just above average in net average yards. And Josh Lambeau, he was 19 of 21 last year for the Jaguars uh, and Kansas City special teams. We'll see, you know, who they put exactly a punt returner. I know on a lot of these depth charts, you have Tyreek Hill and Tremont Smith right now uh, as your primary return guys, but you know, they can always mix that up. They're not obligated to stick to that depth chart, obviously. So um, we'll see how that all pans out. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else you want to add, Zach, before we go to our predictions, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams? No, I think we've uh, you know, gotten this one pretty well handled. It's going to be a pretty interesting game, and uh, it's going to be a lot closer, I think, than a lot of other games that we're going to play this year. All right, so what is your score prediction? I'm going to say you know, it's going to be a 28-21 victory with the Chiefs coming out ahead. 
28-21. Okay. Uh, I agree with you on the 21, actually. Uh, I've got a 31-21. to 21. I think Jacksonville's defense, they'll, they'll be able to limit Mahomes at times, but I think at, at, at times they'll struggle as well. I think the offense is going to have... The Jaguars offense, that is. I think they'll be inconsistent. They'll look good at times, but I think eventually the Chiefs will come together and find ways to adjust, which is one of the best things Andy Reid's capable of is making adjustments, uh, especially offensively, but defensively too. And I think that is where you'll see the Chiefs excel uh, right at halftime. They'll come out of the locker room and they'll start playing better football and pull away and take one on the road. Uh, so I've got a 31-21 uh, in uh, Kansas City, uh, or excuse me, in Jacksonville with Kansas City winning. Uh, real quickly, are you familiar with the 506 NFL maps? No. Okay, so this is actually a really cool website. Uh, I need to share a screenshot. I have not done this yet. So if you go to 506sports.com and if you click on the NFL uh, tab, and then if you click on uh, week one, they have this map. Now, it will change as the week goes on, but they have this big map that basically shows you um, you know, all the games that are uh, going to be happening on CBS and then on Fox, and then they also show the Fox Lake game. So, for example, with the CBS single, uh, they've got the Chiefs and Jaguars game in blue throughout the United States, and you know the entire state of Kansas, the entire state of Missouri – uh, Colorado, most of Nebraska, well, pretty much all, almost all of the Midwest, um, and very large parts of uh, pretty much all of New Mexico, Texas, Arizona. They're all going to be getting this Chiefs game. And then, of course, some parts in Florida as well will be getting it as well. And then if you're not getting a Chiefs game, uh, the number one – by the way, this is odd. Uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, they're the A crew for CBS. They're going to be calling the Tennessee and Cleveland game which is an interesting call to have them have uh, that game. So that game is in red on the map. And it shows you basically the spots where it is in red. And again, it'll update uh, throughout the week. And then they also, uh, in a small uh, key on the bottom left corner, they show Anchorage, Fairbanks, and Honolulu what games they'll be getting. Uh, And it seems like none of them are going to be getting the Chiefs this Sunday, which is unfortunate, but that's okay. Still, the Chiefs are going to have a large viewing audience. So it kind of helps you since you're in New York. So if you're maybe not up for going to a bar and if the Chiefs happen to be on TV in New York and if you find that out through 506 Sports, well, then now you know the Chiefs are going to be on, you know, whatever local CBS affiliate they have in New York City. Good to know. Unfortunately for this uh, this Sunday, it's not going to do me a whole lot of good. Looks like we've got Buffalo at the Jets. Yeah, which is which, understandable uh, being in New York. I mean, of course, but I'm going to definitely uh, you know be making my pilgrimage out to uh, you know the John Brown Smokehouse where I can you know, drink beer and eat barbecue amongst you know fellow Chiefs fans. So should uh, be a good time. By the way, uh, just to note, uh, is it is it Ian Eagle or Ian Eagle? It's Ian Eagle, right? I believe it's Iron Eagle. Yeah, yeah. Iron Eagle and Dan Fouts, they're going to be calling the game for the Chiefs. And I saw earlier today, temperatures uh, for this game should be in the high 90s, 10% chance of rain. And uh, I forgot to mention the injury report. No Chiefs players on the injury report. So there, that is your injury report uh, for this episode. Uh, but Iron Eagle, Short Dan Fouts. sweet, just how we like it. Yeah, exactly. Iron Eagle, Dan Fouts, they're calling the Chiefs games uh, this Sunday. It's already announced that next week when the Chiefs visit the Raiders, 
It's going to be Jim Nance and Tony Romo. So they will be getting the A crew. And nice. because you get the A crew, there are going to be a lot of people across the country that will have a chance. And because it's a CBS afternoon game, uh, maybe it'll be where you are, Zach. Maybe not. Who knows? But uh, a, a large uh, part of the country will be able to catch the Chiefs uh, next Sunday. But for now, the Chiefs will be visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. First preview show of the regular season in the books. That is your first preview show here on this podcast, Zach. Uh, That's true. Yeah, you're uh, you're part of you're you're all in now on the podcast, which is good. Uh, very excited. No, I made it this far. Yes, yes. Very excited to see how this all plays out. We will be back Sunday. Uh, no closing segments, none of that stuff uh, for either episode next week. Uh, for Sunday and for our preview show on Thursday. I've got a lot going on, so we're going to try to keep those episodes as short as possible. They will be back the following week, though. So Sunday we will have our recap show, talk about the Chiefs, Jaguars, and we'll move on. On Thursday we will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Facebook.com slash Farzumasugian. That is the Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. You can go ahead and participate in the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaway. It's also on Twitter at Farzine21. Follow Zach at ZStegenga. And feel free to give us a voicemail or a text at 913-808-2119. Real quickly, because 610 Sports gets this, and I know this having worked there. For the t- voicemail and text line, please do not text or flood the messages during the game. Give us your thoughts afterwards, because I'm not going to know what to read if you send 10 texts as the game goes on. So please, I encourage text messages after the game or voicemails, but please do so after the game. 913-808-2119. And again, subscribe to the podcast, share the links, and again, big thanks to everyone downloading and listening to the episode and sharing the links as well. Get into the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaways. I'm Farzun Vasugi and he is Zach Stegna. We will talk to you guys on Sunday. Enjoy week one and have a good weekend. Talk to you then.